Hello, Saubona, Molo, Unjan, Ashe, how's it? I am Samantha Herbst. And I am Charlene Armstrong. And as always, we're joined by the very lovely Samantha Steele, renowned parenting journalist and rock star mom. Sam is here to take your hand, whoever you may be, and guide you in this week's discussion. Sam, hello, welcome. Last week, we chatted about the ins and outs of UIF registration, and we continue with this conversation this week. Yes, last week we talked about formalizing the employer-employee relationship and how important that is. We also acknowledged that communication is really key. And we heard from two awesome people, Izwe's Amy Teke and the Socioeconomic Right Institute's Kelebukhile Kuno about having contracts in place and paying UIF safeguards for both parties. But we didn't talk about how to go about registering with the UIF. Yes, here's where I would imagine things get a little tricky, right? Unfortunately, yes. I mean, you would think registering is the easiest part of the process, but this is a far from flawless system. Uh, Luckily, I did manage to catch up with one mom who managed to successfully register her nanny via an agency. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a Joburg-based mum to a one-year-old. And um, our nanny's been working for us for about a year, well, for a year as well. When she started working for us, one of our commitments was to register her for UIF. So in the early days of being a new mum, I was trying to do it through the website, which didn't work at all. I uh, found a service provider via some online searches, but unfortunately, after several weeks, I hadn't heard back from them and eventually got the contact details of Estelle Carstens, who runs domesticsupport.co.za. Estelle was great. It was just a few emails and some back and forth. And within a few weeks, we had registered our nanny on UIF, something which I think is really important to do. I think it's negligent not to. As new mums ourselves, we know how important that injection of cash is, and even more so for those people who support us and our and our families. Yeah, it's just something which we do every single month. Um, it has no impact on our nanny's life right now, but it's something which, you know, is a safety net that we know is there should she ever need it. So my advice for other mums is to contact Estelle, first of all. Don't try to do it yourself. I don't think it's possible. And get it done. Just a few emails, a few hundred rand, and you're sorted. Get her done, she says. So Sam, you mm. tracked Estelle Carstens down. Didn't you? Tell us more about this interview. Okay, so Estelle is a UAF consultant and she founded a company called Domestic Support. And she basically specializes in registering people, including nannies, on the UAF, which I think says a lot about the system that it's a whole career path on in and of its own. Hmm. She's also got a background in HR, so she really understands the hiring process and what, what you need to do to make sure that your employee is legally compliant. She can also facilitate with pay slips and negotiations. So she's kind of the whole package from start to finish. So if you're lost in terms of UAF or short on time, a company like hers can really offer an end-to-end solution. Well, sign me up because I'm never in the mood to put up with government portals or online registrations. It's a nightmare. I mean, having someone do it for you, albeit a privilege, that sounds like an absolute godsend to me. Yeah, Shalina, I mean, you're right. I think that as moms, we know that time is a very valuable resource. So having someone else do that admin for you is a major godsend. But at the same breath, Estelle did acknowledge there are some really big challenges. So basically, if you're trying to register your nanny manually, just forget about it. She she suggests rather going online and using the UIF portal called UFiling. 
So there's a digital log of your registration. Estelle herself only does manual registrations as a last resort if she struggled a lot online. So it's also nice to keep that in mind if you're doing this yourself. Mm. Then the other hurdle that I was not expecting is that you have to register yourself as an employer. Mm. And there are some vetting questions you need to answer to create a profile for yourself. And if you get those vetting questions wrong, you can be blocked. And that definitely delays the process for who knows how long. So like when you answer, when you phone a bank and they ask you these vetting questions and and the questions are not necessarily all true, it would say, what year did you work for West Bank, even though you never worked for West Bank? So if you get confused and you answer there are something wrong, then is that what you're saying? It, it blocks you. Yes, and that's really hard to come back from, which is very frustrating <laughs> and seems like a pretty big flaw in the system. Well, I know from filling out forms for maternity UIF, if you, you can't even like, you can't use Tipex, you can't cross out and correct and even use your, you know, signature. Mm. Everything has to be word perfect to the letter. And if you mess something up, you've got to do the whole form again. So it really is quite laborious. Theoretically, though, if you follow all of these steps and barring all of the the obstacles and the challenges that Estelle has mapped out for us, the process does seem to be quite straightforward. Well, it's certainly supposed to be straightforward. And I mean, like you said, keeping all the challenges in mind, this is what Estelle had to say about how to register. Firstly, you need to create a U-filing profile. That means the employer or the parent in this case creates their own U-filing profile. They go to ufiling.co.za and they need to click on register. You'll then be um, required to complete all your personal information and also create your own username. I, I say that specifically because people think that they need to get a username from the UIF. So you fill in your personal details and your username. If that registration is successful, you'll receive then an email. There is obviously an option for an SMS to receive information back from the UIF. I just prefer email because it's easier to keep records of an email versus an SMS. Sometimes you delete it by accident. So when you receive the email, there'll be a green block that you then need to click on to activate your account. Also in this email, there'll be a temporary password. Once your account is activated, you'll be required to change your password. If you got this far, you have to then log back into your profile. The U-filing system will then ask you to answer the vetting questions. And the vetting questions, and really, um, Sam, sometimes it goes back 20 years. So you really need to remember, you know, where did you stay 20 years back type of story. So they ask vetting questions relating to your physical and postal address. Email, your contact numbers, it's mostly just cell phone numbers and sometimes your employment as well. So there's various tabs, you need to go through that and then obviously think very carefully. Otherwise, as I've said, it will block your your profile if you fail the vetting questions. But if you go through all the vetting questions successfully, you have a nice little window that pops up, registration's been successful. That's just the profile. So once you've got the profile, you are now free to actually use the UIF services all online. And then you go through the menu where it actually says registrations and you then click on domestic registrations because there's obviously also um, commercial employers that can do UIF registrations online. 
So you then click on domestic registrations, complete all your personal information. And once you've done as the employer or the parent, your personal information, you then complete the personal information of your nanny. And once that's done, you click on register and uh, your UIF number will then pop up on your U-filing profile and you should also receive an email. And then you are registered. So yeah, as simple as that. <laughs> simple as that, she says. But I have to say, <laughs> when I was listening, uh, I was listening back to her interview yesterday and my mother was was in the room with me and she said, I, and she's she lifted her hand like she's at school and she said, but I, I didn't receive the email. So in the process that Estelle maps out, like there's always snags, which I'm assuming is why you get someone like Estelle or an agency, a third party to help you, because they can follow up and intervene. Let's be honest, we don't have time to do that, right? Well, exactly. It's an administrative nightmare. And especially as a working mom, you just you just don't have the capacity or the time to sit and fight with, with a portal like that, unfortunately. Okay, so now you're registered. But then what, Sam? How much money are we talking? Well, to quote my toddler, it's a teeny bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you pay UIF monthly amounts to about 2% of your employee salary. So it's 1% from you, the employer, in addition to their salary, and then 1% from the employee, which you dock from their salary. So it kind of all works out in the wash. And you have to pay this manually each month, not automatically. What, what, what does this mean, not automatically? So on a monthly basis, you need to declare the salary that your employee earns and you need to submit the declaration via U-filing. Then your bank account details are loaded on the U-filing app and a payment instruction is sent to your bank as a debit order. And yeah, this is all done online with with U-filing. As far as I know, you could also get your accountant to do this, assuming they have your login details and and your banking details, etc., or it is something that you'll then set your alarm for and, and do once a month. But I also know some people do back payments. So they'll pay for five months at once. Oh, that's useful. That is useful. And then, you, But you would need to kind of stay on top of it. I mean, after five months, I'll, kind of, I'll probably forget. But, you know, whatever, whatever works for you as long as you get it done, right? What I'm thinking of now is what documents I'll need to have in order every month. You know, paperwork, and even if it's sort of digital and on my computer, admin is not my forte. So what documents do I need to have in order and what boxes do we have to tick to ensure that uh, the working relationship with our nannies gets off on a good footing? Okay, well, there's some pretty basic stuff you need and that you should have, but I know people don't always have up to scratch yet. So one is an employment contract with a job description. Another one is to actually issue your nanny with a monthly payslip and manage your leave. So I personally do this via, I do this manually. I've got a book I bought from PNA that's called Payslips. So it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. And I do, I do that for her every month. And then you need to register your nanny for UIF and maintain the payments every month. And these are the basics just to comply. Well, what I'm thinking now is people listening are obviously not sitting with a pen and paper with them. Sam, can we offer them a downloadable checklist? Let's definitely do that. I know if you're anything like me, you're probably listening while you're doing other stuff. So let's let's put that online for them. So listeners, this should be by now, it should be in your show notes or um, have a look on thegreatequalizer.co.za and it'll be on the website under the Nanny Diaries. It does all sound simple enough, Sam, but you mentioned that this is barring all the obstacles and we have to acknowledge that the roadblocks are a plenty. 
Yes, we need to just also remember that some nannies are foreign nationals or mm. if and when the UIF pays out, one has to wait several months for the payout to actually happen. And that's if you have the means to hire an agency to help you register. It's, it's really tricky. Yeah, I don't want to forget about the needs of the nannies yet. This is why we're doing it, guys. We want to serve people who need to be empowered and need to be informed. And that includes both employers, uh, moms and dads and nannies. So, Sam, you've done the research here, thankfully, and you've done all the due diligence. What is some advice that you would personally give to nannies regarding UIF? Well, before I give that advice, Sam, I just want to say that um, it's important to remember that we're talking about full-time nannies here in our discussion. So part-time nannies might need a whole different way to approach UIF. And I think that's part of the challenge of being part-time is that no one is responsible for making sure you get paid UIF and you have a pension and things like that. So just keeping in mind that this is this is a full-time context here. And if you've got a part-time nanny, it's worth having the conversation with her and seeing if she does have UIF set up and if you can help her with that. So... With that in mind, communication is really, really key. We saw that in the last episode as well, that communicating with your employee is really critical. And as a nanny, I mean, talking to your employer about whether they've actually registered you. As you've heard from this episode, it's a it's a bit of an admin nightmare. It's a bit of a challenge. So there's a good chance that an, that an employer has let it slide. So just talking to them and just finding out, are you registered on UAF? And then um, ensuring you've got a contract in place and that you're getting pay slips every month. One lawyer I interviewed about nannies and pay mentioned that he does SMS and WhatsApp pay slips. So it doesn't have to be a manual process. You just need proof that you have payment every month. So just just keep that in mind as well. And also remember uh, that things aren't as informal as they used to be. We're not living in the 80s anymore, thank goodness. So employees need to see themselves as skilled workers. I mean, yeah. And, and employers need to look at, at these women as skilled people in and of themselves. And it's, it's not someone who's doing you a favor, guys. This is childcare we're talking about. So Sam, he has another snag, and this is quite prevalent in South Africa. What do you do if your nanny is a foreign national, is not from South Africa? We've got a lot of Malawians, Zimbabweans working for us, Mozambicans. What do we do? Well, according to Estelle, it's it's the same as a local nanny. There's no prohibition against uh, foreign national nannies getting UIF. All you need is their passport number, the country of origin, and all the correct details as per the vetting questions. But the one snag that I know a lot of uh, nannies come across is that you need a valid work permit. Mm. Okay. And then um, what, if, what if you don't have a valid work permit? Where does that leave you? Well, look, ideally you should apply for one. I mean, technically you can't actually hire someone who's not legally allowed to work in the country. So you as the employer should have a clause in the employment contract that says you're aware of it if they are in process of having their work permit processed (laughs) by government and the bureaucracy. Uh, It is a bit of a maze of bureaucratic red tape, but we need to empower ourselves and our nannies to ensure that legally no one can hold anything against us. Sure. Honestly, it makes me despondent that this process isn't that easy. I mean, it's not just registering the UIF, it's getting that work permit. We all know what home affairs looks like. I've personally been with Zimbabweans in the line trying to, this was years ago, but I can't imagine that it's all that much better. It's difficult and it just makes me quite sad that women who deserve to earn a living wage, that it's such uphill for them. 
Yeah, I mean, as much as we can say that it's a ma- it's it's mandatory for all employers, I know of plenty moms or employers for that matter who are still struggling just to register. No, that's true. And I mean, like my challenge with this episode was that I couldn't find a mom who'd registered her nanny. I met many who tried and failed and many who'd given up trying and some some who hadn't bothered. But to find someone who'd successfully registered their nanny was a challenge. And I mean, that says a lot about, well, a lot of things, I think. It's, it's a very hard position to be in. But I did manage to speak to one mom who had done all the due diligence, alas, to no avail. This is what she had to say about the process. My name's Palin. I'm from Johannesburg. And I wanted to share my experience with trying to register our nanny for um, UIF. I've actually had a very challenging experience trying to register her on the UIF due to the COVID lockdown. The UIF offices are apparently closed and I've had no success going through the website itself to try and register her. And yes, so by email and by the UIF filing link, I've I've not been successful doing that myself. And then I decided to go through an option of paying for agencies to try and assist me. And the one agency has declined um, the service due to the same challenges that they've experienced. And the second agency did take the registration fee of 250 Rand, however, have also become unsuccessful with the registration. The advice that I can give is keep all your proof of your um, tries on in terms of um, trying to register your nanny. But other than that, I, I can't um, advise us to do anything further as I don't work for the government and I don't know how the offices and um, administration functions. So I was going to say this. There are success stories like Sarah's and there are amazing service providers like ISWI and domestic support, but... The system still seems impossible to navigate. And this is just to register. Forget about actually getting the money out of the UIF. I mean, look, Shalid, you're right. It's, it's a mandatory service, but it's got four squeaky wheels and could use some oil in the joints to get it working properly. Especially as we saw during COVID with so many people struggling with employment. It's been really just, it's been underwhelming and disappointing to read the stories about how people aren't getting paid out and their queues and, and all the challenges around it. Yes, and I have to say in in Palin's case, it sounds like she was trying to hit them up in the midst of COVID when they did close shop for a while. They weren't taking on any new registrations because there were so many claims being processed. So I do think we've got to give some grace there because the pandemic was so unprecedented. I don't think there were ever as many UIF claims in South Africa as there were last year. And as far as I understand now, the offices are back up and running again. But like you say, they need some oil in the joints. I have to add, though, that even though we did not have a nanny at the time, we did have a domestic helper who we had to let go for various reasons at at the beginning of this year. And we had successfully registered her. So here's a success story, Sam, if you need mine. we And she was part time (laughs) as well. She was only Tuesdays and Thursdays. And even though she wasn't a nanny, we heard in last week's episode that nannies and domestic workers are all considered as domestic workers. Nobody really knows what they're doing exactly in our households, right? So consider mine a success story. We did it through our accountant and now I'm busy processing. So maybe stay tuned. I'll let you guys know 
if we are successful in actually getting the money out. But as far as registration and payment is concerned, that was up to date and we were able to do that monthly. So perhaps there is kind of a silver lining here. Yeah, I mean, I do think that that it's worth trying. I mean, I, I think that it's something we have to do and it's the right thing to do. And lots of people have done it as well. And the more people that put the effort in, as um, I think Amy said in last week's episode, the more the system's got pressure to fix itself and to get it right. When it comes to UIF, though, I wonder if they're all putting money aside because it's an insurance fund, right? So perhaps there's a different kind of safety net that we could establish for our nannies. And I'm wondering if there are alternatives to UIF. But Sam, you've got us covered, don't you? Because you spoke to someone who could shed some light on alternative ways that we as employers can financially support our nannies. Yes, and I think a lot of people, I mean, despite like not having a work permit or other administrative challenges, do want to do the right thing by their nannies and set up some kind of a, a, a financial safety net for them. So I spoke to Desiree Ragubia, who's a certified financial planner at BDO Wealth Advisors, and she's pretty awesome. She's like a power-working mom herself and a total money whiz. In short, what did Desiree have to say? Well, I mean, while keeping in mind that UIF is mandatory and, and legally compliant, I just wanted to know what are the alternatives if you are struggling with UIF and you want to do something in the meanwhile. And then you mentioned earlier that it's only 2% that you set aside monthly. So it would be interesting to know how else we as employers can offer our nannies a bit more of a safety net, obviously assuming that we have the means. Is that possible? Yes, for sure. I mean, what, what we don't talk about directly with her, but I mean, I know some people set up uh, medical aid funds and I mean, some people really go above and beyond with setting up financial security for their nannies. But just thinking about if you can't do UAF, what else can you do? We spoke to Desiree and she had gave some best practice advice when it came to sorting your nanny out with financial planning. Firstly, is, is to have the discussion with, with staff about a budget. Firstly, you know, setting up a budget, assisting them or encouraging them to have good money habits, you know, creating the good money habits. And, and one of that is setting up or, or going through a budget and then understanding things like debt. And then for me, one of the things that are quite important and, and I think I encourage everyone to look at uh, is setting up or building up an emergency reserve fund so that you don't have to dip into your savings account for for something like, you know, a repair or if you need to buy a new appliance, etc., that you have at least three times your monthly income set aside for any emergency that emergencies that may come up. Yeah, that really is a is a goal, I think, for a lot of people, right? To to be able to have that that safety net. And especially for a nanny who's often sending money overseas or to their family, it's a really important thing to do. Yeah, I think I think for me that that's the basic. So so that's what you want to set up first. And also having the talk about that is important because this is how it's going to safeguard you. Because a lot of us, you know, when when the amount is is as little as three, four thousand Rand per month, savings is not top of mind. You know, as you say, a lot of our staff are sending our housekeepers and nannies and, and domestic workers are sending money home. So they want to take home the maximum amount, you know, savings and paying towards UIF is not 
top of mind for them. But I think our role is to encourage them to have or to create those good money habits and just educating them around debt, what it means and how, you know, you can be in control and you can take charge of of your finances if you just adhere to these little tips every month. Look, I I think that's great advice. But realistically, most nannies, if not all, are living hand to mouth. Yeah, exactly. A lot of them are sending as much money home as they can. But what Desiree said about instilling good money habits is is actually crucial because it's an it's having an understanding of your financial position and your income and how best to allocate that income to what what you have to get through or pay in a month. Mm. And I think we as privileged employers who typically come from a higher LSM and enjoy a privileged educational background, we take our financial knowledge for granted. I mean, Sam, we all know what a slippery slope debt can be, for instance. All of us have kind of been there, I'm sure. And I think also, I mean, keeping in mind, I mean, I've said this before, but with the pandemic, a lot of employers are living hand to mouth as well and not mm. having savings, not having paying pension for the past year. Um, Mm. So I think, I mean, it is good advice, but at the same breath, I know I'm struggling to follow it at the moment with how things are financially. So it's good to have those talks and I think to be on your your employee's side about it, like I'm here to help you, Mm. but just keep in mind that sometimes it's a bit of an ask. Well, look, we haven't come to any dramatic conclusion, I guess, but (laughs) we do know now how best to go about registering with the UIF. (laughs) And how important it is to keep that digital log of everything so that there's proof of your attempt to register at the very least. Sam, we'll be back next week. And what will we be talking about? Okay, guys, imagine this. Imagine working for a business with some of the world's most demanding staff members. Asking for snacks all day. Mm. <laughs> now imagine going home and dum dum dum, you live with your boss. <laughs> I would die. Who Worst would I bitch to about my boss? Is what ever. I want to know. You got you're a snack bitch all day, every day, with people screaming at you, throwing themselves on the ground. Your your coworkers are just not listening. You're having the worst. I mean, if you think Zoom meetings with <laughs> with your current crowd is bad. Imagine, imagine. At least you can shut down the Zoom meeting and yell a very loud swear word or cuss word afterwards. <laughs> In that environment, living with your employer, you can't really do that. In short, no, Sam. I would not like to live with my employer. Well, for a lot of live-in nannies, this is the harsh reality, and it's very uniquely South African as well. I mean, if you speak to your your friends who've immigrated, it's not it's not the same overseas. Mm. So this is a very unique and very challenging dynamic that we just don't talk about with a lot of blurred boundaries and a lot of gray areas. So we really want to talk about the challenges of living with your employer as an employee. Yeah, this is kind of an elephant in the room. We don't talk about it, but we on The Nanny Diaries will be talking about it. We are going there, guys. I'm assuming we'll bring in the legal parameters here too, Sam, because where do you draw the line and mark yourself as off-duty if you're physically not leaving your place of work ever? Well, anecdotally, Charlene, I must say my wonderful nanny called Auntie Precious at this house, that she's a living nanny as well, and my toddler knows exactly how to hunt her down at 6pm when she's been off the clock for over an hour already. So uh, yes, we'll be discussing that and so much more next week. 
Listeners, if you have any comments or queries on our episode or a UIF story of your own, please feel free to touch base with us at info at thegreatequalizer.co.za. And if you liked this episode and found it useful for yourself or other moms, please feel free to rate and review us on your preferred listening platform. And remember to please share to your social networks. So that's it for this installment of The Nanny Diaries. Tune in next week for more on Live In Nannies. For more on today's show or for additional information on our expert guests, please head on over to our website at www.thegreatequalizer.co.za or catch up with The Great Equalizer podcast on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. If you'd like to get in touch with Samantha Steele and the TGE gang, email us at info at and we'll get back to you.